This is the Rabbit Rundown, presented by Jackrabbit Illustrated. Welcome back to the Rabbit Rundown. As always, my name is Jacob Von Bergen. I am joined here by my good friend and former men's manager, Cody Reed. Cody, how's it going? It is going great. It is the best week of the year. NCAA tournament is upon us. We have the bracket. We have the matchups. You know, we know who South Dakota State is going to play. And I I mean, I'm excited for it. That's about all I can say at this point. No, for sure. And before we dive too deep into the weeds of talking, you know, the matchups here for the SDSU men, uh, kind of going through the tournaments, that kind of stuff. We just want to remind everybody that we are brought to you by Drake's Place in uh, Bodle, South Dakota, as well as Cottonwood Coffee in Brookings, South Dakota. But as we were saying earlier, we're going to dive into the men's uh, and women's, you know, uh, matchups coming up. We're going to review a little bit of the uh, Summit League tournament from both the men's and the women's in case you didn't have a chance to listen to our live reactions last week or our podcast version. We are also joined this week by the, uh, what some would call the MVP of the championship game, uh, Charlie Easley. I had a great conversation with him this morning or this afternoon. Uh, have some fun talking with him about SDSU and uh, maybe some more personal get to know Charlie questions. And we've, I think, done with a lot of our other guests. Yeah, I mean, it was a fun interview with Charlie. Got me, you know, excited about the NCAA tournament. Uh, just how, uh, like the kind of calm confidence that that he presented when he, you know, was answering questions about the NCAA tournament got me excited about how focused the team seems to be going into this matchup. Yeah, it feels like uh, we could have a really big week of uh, SDSU basketball here. Hopefully, you know, we're going to be in attendance for it. So we're excited about what's about to come up. Uh, but first, we're going to go into, you know, just a quick recap of the, uh, you know, uh, men's tournament here from this past week. Uh, you know, they obviously clearly won the Summit League Championship. So we're talking about some of this stuff. Uh, I just want to recap that they beat Omaha 87 to 79. They beat USD 83 to 60 and then beat the North Dakota state men 75 to 69. Um, you know, really just a fun tournament in general in Sioux Falls. You know, we were there for the most of it. Uh, I believe Baylor and Doug were the two, you know, the first, the all summit league team uh, players, Doug won the MVP of the tournament. Um, yeah, I guess, Cody, what were some of your takeaways from, uh, the tournament as a whole. Yeah, I think going into it, you know, we were saying for an undefeated team, uh, why are why are we as fans nervous about this opening round matchup? You know, there was maybe just a touch in that, you know, first half where the Jackrabs weren't quite able to pull away against uh, Omaha that we were nervous for, but they quickly um, assuaged our, uh, our, our maybe nerves that we had as Jackrabs fans and then absolutely dismantled. USD um, in the second round. So that was great to see 55 points. <laughs> yeah. 55 points and a half on their way to the championship game. And we got the championship game. We were kind of expecting NDSU, you know, on ESPN two, ESPN U for a little while because of, uh, you know, the fight that was happening in the game before it, but um, ESPN two on the national stage, SDSU, NDSU, the rivalry, a close game as always. And SDSU uh, prevailed, uh, showing a lot of grit, a lot of determination, to, you know, to finish the undefeated conference season. Yeah, and I, th I think we both kind of agreed. I think it was kind of an unpopular opinion, but we both preferred the NDSU matchup, I think, opposed to the Oral Roberts matchup that was potentially there. Um, you know, maybe a little bit less confident after the way they dismantled Oral Roberts, but... I think NDSU just presented a matchup for Oral Roberts that they couldn't handle. Um, but, you know, going into that NDSU matchup, I didn't have the same nerves I've had in the past with other championship games. I just felt like this team had it in them. Um, like, no matter what they were going to do, what no matter what NDSU was going to throw at them, we had an answer for it. You know, Sam Greasel had three quick turnovers that really let SDSU get going. Um, I don't know if that was nerves. Baylor's, you know, defense on him because Baylor did primarily guard him most of the game. Um, I do think that has a bit to maybe do with his offensive struggles in the game. You know, he was focused so hard on on one end of the ball. Um, also, you know, usually on defense or defense, he's not guarding 
you know, a team's best player. But, you know, now we've seen him struggle a little bit after, while guarding Sam Greasel. I think, you know, maybe he puts a little bit more energy into that defensive matchup. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, we, talk, we talked about it with Charlie a little bit. Uh, but Hendo's post-game press conference, you know, we didn't really see it. I didn't think with the team all season long. But there was that – there was more pressure than I there than I think we all thought there was going to be for the team because they always breeze by it so much. But Hendo kind of talked about how there was a little bit more of that pressure. Um, and every win, you know, built up. Every time you played a team a third time, you know, they were throwing that extra punch at you. So, um, you know, as a whole, it was a great season, obviously, to watch as a Jackrabbit fan. But it was kind of cool to see that there was maybe a little bit more pressure than I think we expected the team to have uh, on that run this year. Yeah, especially going down, you know, into the final regular season games, there was kind of just a lot of buzz about, oh, can they go undefeated? You know, and they had two really tough road games to close it out. So there was some, you know, pressure to win those games and continue to be playing their best basketball at the right time. And then you get to the tournament where, you know, the past couple of years, we haven't seen them, you know, do quite as well as we came to expect when they won, you know, back to back to back Summit League uh, tournament championships. And so there was, you know, a little bit of nerves, like, hey, this is the best regular season Jackrabbits team we've ever had. We, if we don't get it done now, like, when, when are we going to get it done? <laughs> and, you know, they they took all that in stride. Um, like you said, we couldn't really see it too much from the team. I'm sure yeah. it was there. Because um, at the end of the day, in the Summer League tournament, you have to win the game. Like, the, the pressure is there, um, even in a regular year. But just ratcheted it up a little bit because of, how well they played in the um, just regular season. And yeah. I, I think we did see though, that like when this team, I mean, they haven't lost since December. They've taken punches from a lot of people. They've been down, they've came back, they've gotten out to big leads and held them. They've made free throws down the stretch when they need to. They've made big shots when they need to. They don't turn the ball over. Like everything you need to see out of a championship level team we saw and every single time it's ended in a win. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, the pressure maybe of going undefeated all year um, really just gave them the confidence. Like, Hey, when Oral Roberts makes a run there, like they did in that game. And, you know, they just always thought they felt like they had it in their pocket or their back pocket. Like, Hey, we're going to come back. We're going to win somehow, you know, we're going to do something right. And, you know, you guys, you see guys like Charlie who, you know, maybe you're not expecting a whole lot from him. He comes into the championship and has big games because he's confident. Or, um, you know, Alex, just that steady, you know, steady vet. He hasn't, you know, maybe won it as a player, hasn't won that uh, championship in the Summit League Championship, but he was on the teams. He saw what it takes to win. You know, Matt, same thing. Matt had a sneaky good tournament when he kind of was mixed in a uh, match with Doug or Luke or playing by himself as the big. So, um, yeah, there's just confidence without the whole team because – They've all played in big moments this season. They've all contributed. That's why I think, you know, in a matchup, you know, when we do start talking about the NCAA tournament here, SCSU is a hard team to scout for because any given night, you know, Charlie could hit five threes. Luke could hit, you know, go for 41. Doug could go for 30. Baylor could go for 28. Uh, Alex could go for 19. Like, you just look at the stat lines of some of the games. It's like, okay, this guy is an off night, but who's going to step up for him then? You know, Zeke, I didn't even mention him. He had – you know, two huge shots, uh, two free throws, the floater. So you have to worry about Zeke. There's not a guy on this team that, you know, is going to jump off the page outside of maybe Doug athletically uh, when you, you know, look at the team. But there's there's eight, nine guys that we've said this before could score 15 points in a game and you wouldn't even blink your eyes at it. Like if we've seen Matt, you know, who gets probably the least amount of time, playing time of the, you know, core eight that are playing right now, but we've seen him score 20 points this year. So you know, there isn't a guy, you know, look at this team, just the way they were able to play this year. They've all had their big moments. There just wasn't a time it looked like it was overwhelming for anybody. Yeah, and that gives you a ton of confidence going into the NCAA tournament that this team, you know, can be the first team to win uh, an NCAA tournament game at, for this program. Yeah. Um, we've had a lot of close close attempts, you know, in the Nate Walters and the Mike Dom eras. Um but just how I think it's a testament to two things. One, how prepared the coaching staff has got this team for every single game. Like I don't, I can't recall a single game this year outside of maybe the Idaho game 
where the Jackrabbits started the game not looking ready to play and not, you know, coming out with like a plan that they needed to execute. Um, and I'm sure it's easy when you got as much depth and the good players, because that's the other thing is, you know, like you said, anyone on any given night can do the scoring, can, you know, make a good defensive play. Um, and it's never everyone's having their worst or, you know, not, not everyone's having their worst game at the same time. Um, you know, if someone's having a little, little bit of an off night, there's another person having one of their best nights. And we've seen that all year. And so, like you said, it makes me excited for the uh, NCAA tournament just with, you know, how the consistency and their ability to kind of pick each other up and how enjoyable they seem to uh, play together as well. Because when yeah. it gets into crunch time and things are tough, you, you need that team unity. And we've seen that all year. And I, I think, you know, one last thing we'll talk about before we got diving into the tournament. I think they embrace the moment more than past teams. Past, And I know Nagy's teams never really, you know, celebrated a whole lot. They weren't, like, super animated. And the game has changed with how you kind of – the bench reacts to things and how, you know, you going on the court, you, like, put up the three, that kind of stuff. But historically, we haven't seen SDSU teams, I think, you know, embrace the big crowds. I said this in one of our live shows they really embraced the premier center. I think they, they all built up in their head, like what was going to happen in that arena. Um, you know, Doug hadn't seen it for a few years, never played in it. Baylor, you know, was a different player when he played in it last Alex and Matt, you know, they played in it, but again, not the same experience. And with the tournament, every big shot, they were celebrating, they were like pumping up the crowd. They were, you know, going into it. And I don't think we've seen that. I don't, this team really embraced that, you know, atmosphere and in a tournament like this, where, you know, if you get hot early and you're going to have everybody in that arena, but the Providence fans cheering for you as the lower seed, that was huge. I think that'll be huge. You know, they're not afraid of the moment. Like, um, you know, maybe Pat, I don't know, afraid of the moment's probably the wrong term, but um, you know, they really embrace the moment more than anything. That's probably the right way to say it. Uh, they embrace, you know, being the underdog in a game like this. They'll, they'll embrace You know, maybe not every SDSU fan, not everybody cheering for them there. It's going to be an SDSU fan, but they're going to embrace, you know, that crowd if they start getting behind them. So, um, you know, there's like, you, we've said a lot, we're kind of going in circles with it, but there's a ton of confidence and they just have that, you know, extra swagger to them that maybe we haven't seen past, you know, teams do or have. Yeah. And I think the uh, summer league tournament environment, especially the championship night against NDSU, like that type of environment prepares you well for the NCAA tournament. Cause not every mid-major team that, is coming in gets to have that experience in their, in their conference tournament. Um, and, you know, there could be a little um, sticker shock when you get to the NCAA tournament, if it's a packed arena. Um, but I don't think this team will have that. And I think with that, we should kind of dive into their, their matchup. No, for sure. And we're going to dive into the matchup here against Providence. Uh, Providence won the regular season, big East. Um, they got beat pretty handily against Creighton um, in their first round matchup, I believe it was. Uh, they lost 85 to 58 um, to Creighton. So hopefully, you know, we know Hendo used to coach uh, with, as uh, a Greg uh, McDermott at Creighton. So hopefully the first call after that was, hey, what did you guys do right? What did you guys do wrong? What's the game plan that we need to go? Obviously, Creighton has their own tournament to worry about, but um, yeah, just looking at the numbers here for Providence, uh, they average about 71.8 uh, points a game. They're, you know, their bread and butter is going to be defense. Uh, they're going to try to slow the game down. They're going to be a, um, I, I saw a good comparison was NDSU on steroids. Um, you know, they, they, have, they play through the post more than NDSU does. Their leading scorer uh, is Nate Watson, their center, who averages about 13.8 points a game. Uh, he shoots about 55% from the field. So he's going to be very efficient. He's going to probably score some points. You know, obviously you're going to have to keep uh, Doug and Luke out of foul trouble as well as Matt. But um, I guess for you, Cody, I know you had some Ken Palm stuff you were looking at. Um, what do you kind of know about uh, Providence? Yeah, and first, uh, just to say, so Providence is the four seed. We're in the Midwest Regional. Games in Buffalo, 1240 Eastern, True TV on Thursday, just so everyone has all that info. I'm sure everyone knows that, but so SDSU did get the 13 seed facing off against Providence, the four in Buffalo. As far as Providence goes, um, you know, they've kind of been a team that has 
gotten some national spotlight throughout the year just based on winning the, the Big East uh, regular season for their first time in school history. Uh, they had quite a bit of close, exciting games down the stretch. I know in, their, um, in the last, I think, five or six uh, of their regular season games, they had three overtime games, and they won all three of those, one being a triple overtime game against Xavier. Um, and in their non-conference, they have some good wins too. They beat Wisconsin um, at Wisconsin. They beat Virginia, or they lost to Virginia on a neutral court. Um, but they also beat Texas Tech at home. And then they picked up a win against uh, Vermont, who was another kind of mid-major that's in the NCAA tournament as well. So they've, they've played a lot of good teams. They have a tough schedule. Um, like you said, they're 270th in the country in tempo. So they're definitely a methodical team. They're 40th in defensive effective field goal percentage. So they really try and take um, – Take, make teams take tough shots and take away the three pretty well. Um, they're 57th in the country in defensive three-point field goal percentage. Um, but the biggest thing I think um, about this, you know, Providence team is that they are one of the oldest teams in the country. Their experience level is sixth. So they're the sixth oldest um, team in the country. Out of the people in their rotation that play, they have six seniors and one junior for the most part. I think there's a sophomore that gets sprinkled in there every once in a while. So it's a very veteran team. A lot of guys that, you know, this is their last go around, even though they might have thought their last go around was two years ago. <laughs> um, and so I, I think, and they, they've won close games throughout the year. They've, you know, been in a lot of close games. They've found ways to win. So they're going to be a tough out. I think it's from a national perspective, probably one of the most exciting kind of mid-major lower seed matchups in the, in the country. But, um, you know, all signs are pointing to this being a really close game. Yeah. And, you know, if you're SDSU and you come out shooting hot, you obviously want to keep your foot on the throat. Um, you don't want to have, you know, a slow second half, let them get back in, get momentum. Cause you know, they are a little bit, they're obviously closer uh, location wise. So they'll have a good chunk of fans there. Um, but yeah, you know, I don't know, I can't find the, the numbers on it, but, you know, they are a good defensive team, but I, I do think what I heard was they're not a team that's going to steal the ball from you a lot. You know, they're going to slow the game down, which obviously helps your defensive numbers because you're going to play a slow basketball game. But if SCSU can play their tempo, um, you know, shoot well, obviously not live and die by the three, but play inside out, uh, they're probably not going to double team. So Doug and Luke, if they can find matchups down low, um, you know, I think Doug is going to, have to use his speed, kind of playing that controlled chaos that he plays. Um, if he can get, you know, they're big in foul trouble, playing with the speed. Um, and then, you know, Luke, we're assuming his foot's healthy um, enough to play. You know, Matt's probably going to get some playing time, uh, especially, you know, if they're going to be playing through the post a lot. Uh, that's, that's what you're looking for. You just can't turn the ball over, can't give them free possessions and let them really wind the clock down and take advantage. But if you're SDSU, you go in there, you play your style of basketball, you play your pace, uh, you hit the threes that you hit. Um, you just that's what you got to do to win. And if they do, they'll you know get the first win in school history. I think you you kind of put the or hit the nail on, on the head there. For a team that's won 21 games in a row, hasn't lost since December, I think they just got to play their game. I, I mean, yeah. obviously there's going to be some schematic things. Um, that they're going to do differently based on the personnel that Providence has. But whatever they've been doing, it's been working. And, and I think a big thing that you kind of pointed out was the pace. Um, Providence really likes to slow it down. Like I said, if SDSU can kind of get some, some get the game moving at the pace they want to, speed Providence up a little bit, maybe get some transition buckets, um, I, I think that will be a key from the, from the jump. You know, and we've seen SDSU play pretty well from the start of games um, throughout the Summit League tournament. I think that's a huge key in this game is kind of build a lead early, get ahead early, and make, you know, put the pressure on Providence and, and have their fans kind of start feeling anxious and get that arena feeling feeling anxious because, um, you know, that that's what you're going to um, want to see from South Dakota State's perspective. And um, like you said, Providence, they are, they play honestly a similar brand of defensive basketball to South Dakota State in that they don't force 
turnovers. You know, they're, they're not going to be all up in your face, but they're going to play really good team defense because of that experience. And they're going to make you take tough shots. And when you take tough shots, they're not going to let you get offensive rebounds. South Dakota State plays that way, you know, um, but Providence probably just has a little bit better size and athleticism to be more effective playing that style. And so I think it's two teams that they're, they honestly are more similar than they are different, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest difference maker in this game might be, you know, that pace that SDSU can play with that Providence doesn't want to play at. Yeah. And I, again, I'm saying this stuff, but I can't remember. I was trying to look it up here quick. I don't believe they had any first team Big East players. They might have had one. Correct. Um, on the zero or one? Zero. Zero. So you're, and I, I think a couple of things I've seen on Twitter is Baylor's going to be the best player on the court. Um, you know, just looking at how they play. And Doug's probably going to be one of the better athletes. So, the, you know, you might hold a personnel advantage slightly with your couple of your guys, but like we kind of said, there are, there are five uh, guys in the court play together kind of team. They're like SDSU where, you know, SDSU had two all Summit League players and the rest were, you know, either honorable mentions or not. They were just a balanced team. And Providence is going to be the same way. They're going to be a balanced team. Um, you know, they're going to play, they're probably going to, their leading scorer, my guess is going to be their post. Uh, Watson is my guess is he's going to score their most points because, you know, that's where their advantage is going to be. That's what they're going to try to play to. So if SEC can get him and, you know, get Watson some foul trouble um, and, you know, they have to switch up their offense a little bit, you know, they're going to be a tough team. They're, they're going to struggle to match up with SDSU. But if, you know, SDSU lets the senior, you know, he's 6'10", 260. That isn't something that's going to be, you know, completely out of the blue for him. I kind of look at a, um, I'm blanking on his name now, Oral Roberts. Lufile. Uh, center that kind of Ifile, yeah, he's going to be a, a Feely style player offensively, probably, maybe less of an athlete, but um, he's going to, you know, that's what they're going to play through as a post. Yeah, he's kind of their their guy that they play through, like you said, Nate Watson down low. He's, you know, he's a solid. He's Their whole team is solid, really. That's kind of the way to describe them is they don't make mistakes and they just play well together. Um, but, you know, like we said, Watson's their, their postman. They got a couple other guards, um, Jared Bynum. He's probably their best three-point shooter at 40, just under 42%. Um, he's a 5'10 junior, so not one of the seniors. And then they got um, three wings that all – or three or four wings seniors that are all pretty good. Al Durham, I think he is their – let me pull it up here. Al Durham's their second leading scorer um, behind the post Watson at 13.4 points per game. And then you have Jared Bynum. Like I said, he's their kind of their three-point shooter, point guard guy. He's at 12.7 points per game. And then A.J. Reeves, he's been a little banged up. He got hurt at the end of that um, game in the uh, Big East tournament. He uh, is – and he was out a little bit during the season as well. But he's also a pretty good shooter, and he's averaging 10 points a game. Um, and then they got a couple other guys that are coming off – the bench that can also contribute. So it's really just, I don't think there's a, a one guy you have to try and take away for this team. They don't have a, a Max Aismas, you know, type player. They're all going to be really solid. So I think it's, it's going to come down to good team defense, communicating. And I think rebounding is going to play a huge role just because, you know, Providence is a little bit bigger, probably a little bit more athletic. And um, if they can re if SDSU can rebound, like they did against NDSU in the Summit League Championship game, I think that that definitely gives them an advantage. For sure. And, yeah, let's look at their team stats. They have four guys that average double figures, basically a fifth with um, one of their forwards averaging 9.6. So balance is back, uh, two guys averaging 13. Uh, but other than that, it's pretty balanced. So like you said, it's not one guy that's going to beat them. It's going to be an attack. So that's just you just has to play team defense, stay out of foul trouble, and see how, you know, you have to obviously get a little lucky, um, but a very winnable matchup. I know a lot of people were mad that it was a 13, not a 12 or an 11. But when it comes to this point, matchups are all that matter. This is a great matchup for SDSU stylistically. They can play their style of basketball. They're going to win the game. Like you said, rebounding as well is going to be important for a matchup like this. Yeah, and I think just going into kind of some of the national conversation um, that I've seen about uh, SDSU, like you said, the seeding, I think a lot of people thought 
it wasn't quite where they were projected. I think a lot of people had him as 12, but it comes down to matchups. And in this matchup, the, the public and kind of the, a lot of people, they like South Dakota state. I mean, I think it was the lowest spread for a 13, four matchup ever at two points is what it opened at. I don't know where it's gone from there. Um, and a lot of people are picking South Dakota state, you know, to go to the sweet 16 to win this first round game, um, which is not a spot I love to be in, you know, with, with everyone picking us um, just cause that gives a little more fuel to Providence that I didn't, you know, frankly, don't want them to have, but uh, I think it is backed up by, you know, how uh, SDSU has played all year. No, for sure. And kind of what you were saying with the spread there, uh, Bear, I believe he works for ESPN. Uh, it's Chris Felicia. I don't, I guess, I don't know how you say his last name. Tweeted out today, Providence is currently a two-point favorite over South Dakota State. There has never been a four seed this short of a favorite in a round of 64. Both four seeds uh, which are two and a half point favorites lost outright. Uh, Vandy to Murray State in 2010, Dayton to Tulsa in 2003. So history would say, you know, SSU would win this game. That's history. We'll see what happens, you know, this week. Um, hopefully Thursday, you know, like you said, 1140 Central Time, 1240 Eastern. If you're out there with us at the game, um, it's going to be a fun matchup. So. I'm excited to see what happens. Hopefully, like you said, it's the first, like we didn't say it's the first time in school history they get a win. I know that's what we're both obviously going out there hoping for. Then hopefully we see, you know, an exciting matchup then Saturday. Yeah. And if you, you know, if we play out the hypothetical, I think we've talked a lot about Providence, what SDSU needs to do to win that game. Uh, like we said, it's a winnable game. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily 50 50, but uh, they can definitely beat this team, you know, more than one time out of 10, more than two times out of 10. Yep. Um, and so uh, it sets up a potential matchup with Iowa or the winner of Iowa and Richmond. That's the 5-12 game that's played directly after SDSU's first round game. Um, I think the, you know, the, the public wants to see Iowa, South Dakota State, two Midwest schools that the over is probably going to be at 175 points. Like, you know, two of the most fun teams to watch from an offensive perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Iowa fans are going to travel. Hopefully those fans can get behind South Dakota State in, in the first game. Um, but, and you know, help kind of make it a more even environment with the Providence fans that are going to be there. But, uh, you know, and even if Richmond wins, they're kind of in a Cinderella story with SDSU. You know, they had to win their conference tournament, the A-10, to even get in. If they happen to upset Iowa – um, you know, it could make for a pretty exciting second round game. Obviously, a lot has to go right to get to that point. But, you know, it's it's a fun pod there in Buffalo. No, for sure. And I think, you know, a lot of SCSU fans, when they saw Richmond, where they were as a 12, I got a lot pretty excited that meant we were going to be an 11 seed because uh, we kind of viewed ourselves similar. And, you know, with our win streak and all that, I think SCSU fans were like, oh, maybe we're going to get the 11 now. Obviously, next quad or next spot down. See ourselves at 13. Kind of talk to Charlie if that maybe motivates the team a little bit more. But like I said earlier, it's about your matchup. I think we got the matchup we want. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for Thursday. Uh, but with that being said, I've kind of hinted at it a couple times. We did talk with Charlie Easley, uh, the SCSU guard. So we're going to go into that conversation now with Charlie. Today, we welcome on current Jackrabbit guard, fresh off a Summit League Tournament Championship, Charlie Easley. Charlie, how's it going? It's going good. How are you guys? Doing pretty good. We got a nice little appearance from, from Luke as well yeah. in the background yeah, that's, there. That, that's the roommate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so normally, when we have these interviews, we like to talk about you know how people get to SDSU, what was their journey. We'll get to that eventually, but we have some some bigger news to talk about first. NCAA tournament, you guys, you know, won the Summit League. You're going to the NCAA tournament. We know the matchup now. What's the initial thoughts? Um, well, obviously we got Providence and definitely they're a good team. They got great big men, good guards. So they're going to be definitely a tough task. But uh, we've actually watched quite a bit of them at our house over the course of this year. So it was kind of funny that they were the ones we're facing, but we're going to get a good scout. Coaches will get a good scout for us and we're going to, we're going to be locked in, ready to go. No, for sure. I guess 
going into selection Sunday, um, I think, you know, on Twitter, everyone thought was looking at a 12 seed, maybe getting lucky to an 11. Uh, were you guys surprised being a 13? And then, you know, did that motivate you a little bit more, you know, maybe being a 13 versus a 12 or an 11 seed? Um, I think we definitely, I think we all thought we deserved definitely a 12 or 11 seed, but at the end of the day, it's not going to, we're, we're, we're motivated no matter what. So I don't think that seeding is going to affect if we're more motivated or not. We, we know that we can play and whoever we're going to play is going to get our best. Yeah. And you know, you talk about your best, you guys are playing probably about as best as you can right now. It seems like you go undefeated in conference play 21 and all, you know, 30 wins, the most in program history. Those are all, you know, awesome goals you guys accomplished this year. Were those things at the start of this year that you guys kind of realistically thought you could do? Um, or did it take a while for you guys to realize kind of like how dominant and how good of a team you could be? I think, I think we all know, we all knew how good we could be, but that doesn't necessarily, it's not always the case. So just kind of taking it game by game, practice by practice and slowly getting better and better throughout the season and just staying level head and not getting too high or low has helped us and just staying together. And then once all, all this stuff has been happening, we just, we just let it come and with just keep working on it. Um, Hendo in the, you know, the press conference towards the end of the, like after the championship kind of mentioned that maybe you guys have been playing with some pressure, uh, just obviously going undefeated, playing a team the third time, I guess, did you guys feel that added pressure each win just kind of like, you know, we're getting closer to that, uh, um, you know, a perfect season and then going into the tournament, facing teams a third time, really getting their best shot. Um, and if you were guys, you know, if you guys were feeling that pressure, is this, you know, tournament game kind of where you're the underdogs? Are you feeling, you know, the least amount of pressure you've played in the game in the last few months? Or is there still like a pressure with it being the uh, NCAA tournament? I think there, there was a lot of outside pressure from a lot of just people as we were going on a really good season but I think inside the locker room we didn't we didn't feel too much pressure because we just trusted each other and we had a lot of belief in our team and coaches and that really helped us out and not worrying about all the outside outside noise and that's going to be the same thing going into this tournament we're just going to focus on ourselves and really not worry about what they're kind of saying on the outside yeah and I think you know you said it there there was a lot of outside noise but it seemed like you know throughout the entire season you guys were a uh, calm, cool, collected bunch. Um, obviously to go undefeated in conference play, you guys have to be incredibly consistent. What do you, what do you attribute that consistency to? You know, it seems like even when other teams would go on a run, you know, you'd, you'd, you know, dispel that run real quick and, and get the lead back or, you know, how, how did you guys be so consistent throughout the entire season? Well, I think the main thing for the consistency is kind of the unity of the team and how, how, well we get up, get along with each other on and off the court i mean we're a tight group and throughout the season and a lot of games there are some times that teams went on runs against us and had a couple good plays but at the end of the day we just stayed true to ourselves and trusted one another and that can get you through some tough situations during games and throughout the season we we did that and and that's that's kind of what's got us through trusting the coaches trusting our teammates and yep yeah, for sure. I think it's evident, you know, watching you guys play that you guys are definitely a very close knit group mm -hmm. and um, kind of transitioning into your story a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, we normally ask people, you know, how, how did you get to Brookings? Uh, you know, what was your journey to get to SDSU? So if you want to just kind of tell the story mm -hmm. of how, you know, you ended up at SDSU. Well, I started off my career at Nebraska. I walked on there my freshman year and throughout the season kind of stuff happened. I ended up getting some playing time and then they put me on scholarship halfway through the season. And then kind of towards the end of the year, it was just kind of some uncertainty with what, because somebody transferred during the season at Nebraska. So I got put on, but it wasn't necessarily a full ride, so to speak. And I kind of wanted a, a more, just a kind of a bigger role at a school with a team. And I had known, I've known Baylor Shireman for, we played AAU together. We kind of grew up playing basketball against each other and then ended up playing with each other in AAU. So I knew him 
And I kind of, they kind of recruited me a little bit out of high school. So I had contact with them and I knew it's a great program and I couldn't have been happier with my move. And that's how I ended up here. Kind of alluding to that, you know, process of getting you to, uh, you know, SDSU, uh, the same press conference I mentioned earlier, Hendo kind of mentioned that, you know, at SDSU is more of maybe just building confidence. Um, is there something about at SDSU, the way they played, um, just a style of basketball that, you know, built the confidence? Was it more, you know, maybe consistent playing time? But I guess what was it, what, you know, helped build that confidence at SDSU versus, you know, maybe that wasn't there at Nebraska? Yeah, well, definitely confidence has been a big factor for me. And I think what the confidence the coaches have instilled in me ever since I've gotten here and just kind of trust in me and also my teammates and trust in me. And that's also instilled a ton of confidence in me and confidence is a big factor with especially every area of the basketball game. So, so yeah, I think that was, that was a big, big move for me and it's really helped me. And kind of going on with your time at Nebraska, um, being a, you know, walk on, in a Big Ten school, getting the experience that you did get and being able to play, you know, meaningful minutes in a Big Ten season, how much, you know, did that prepare you and kind of help develop you as a basketball player? Because that's not something a lot of people would normally get, you know, as a walk-on. Yeah, well, definitely my my freshman year at Nebraska was definitely a little unexpected with how everything turned out. I mean, I was prepared to just just work hard and kind of, in the shadows, just not, I mean, typical walk on, you're not going to, you're not going to get much, you're not going to get in just kind of towards the end of the game and kind of stuff happened. I got, I got my chance and, and it has prepared me and it kind of got me the, that big game feel a little bit and got to go against a bunch of good players. And you just kind of realize that, I mean, you're, it's not much different. And I mean, you're not, you see all these big time names, but you're on the same floor as them. And it was just kind of cool. And it helped prepare me for definitely at South Dakota state. And you come up to South Dakota state as uh, so your, you know, second year here now. Um, you guys have had pretty incredible year. You're leading the country in three point field goal percentage. Simple question here. When you guys are in practice, do you guys miss like, the, for how well you guys shoot it in the game, I can't imagine that in practice there's many missed shots. Well, it's kind of, I will say, I mean, it definitely you get in trouble when you're tagging on a big man rolling down because then you leave, then you kind of feel like, what are we doing wrong? Because they pass, passed out to a shooter. And yes, it does go in, uh, seems like <laughs> all the time. So it's just kind of tough in practice because really, I mean, we're not going to face a team with as many shooters as we have in practice. So it's just kind of, especially on kind of keeping it compact and like guarding the lane. It's kind of tough when you're just getting lit up from the outside. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, for sure. And uh, I'm sure if you're shooting 45% in games in practice, it's probably 60%. But, um, you know, with the summer league championship that you guys just had, uh, we, we had some nicknames that we came up with for you. Um, you know, Jacob came up with good luck, Chuck, because you were, you know, there in the, the moments where we needed some luck. I came up with big Huck, Chuck, because you were hitting uh, some big shots. We know Luke from when he was on the podcast, he calls you Mr. Off Night. Do you have one of those that you prefer or is it just simply Charlie and you're, you're you know, keeping it uh, business? You know, I'm just I'm just glad to be getting some nicknames and I appreciate all the different nicknames and that's pretty I, it's kind of funny to hear all the different ones, but I don't have a I don't have a preference, and I'm I'm fine with whatever one people want to call me. They uh, they can do that. Perfect. And we, you know, Mr. Offnight came from uh, Twitter, where we, uh, you know, saw the uncles cousins basketball classic. Um, I guess every year, I think we see that pop up on Twitter. I guess tell everybody, you know, obviously it's pretty self-explanatory what it is, but kind of explain what you guys do and. Um, is everybody that plays there kind of the same style players you, you know, tough nose defense going to hit shots or what, what's the style of basketball played uh, at the uncle cousins basketball classic? Well, yes. Uh, yes. That happens. We got a lot of traditions uh, on that side. Cause I have a lot of cousins that are around my age or uncles that everybody loves basketball and loves sports. We actually do a cousins masters as well for in golf. So that's a big one too, but the, uh, cousins uncles classic is uh you 
we well this year we used to do cousins versus uncles but the uncles are getting a little old and and that can't keep up with the cousins as much but now we're intermixing the each team and we uh we're big my family's big notre dame fans so that's one of the teams and then the other team is it should be south dakota state i guess that there has been some controversy but they named them the huskers this year and they play each other it's around christmas every time and we had a whole twitter page for it and I, uh, if everybody wants to go follow that or there, there'll be some cousins masters feeds feed coming up here pretty soon. So it's just, uh, always fun with them. And they do, a. I was commentating, actually, I was commentating the game. So they don't, they don't let me play anymore. <laughs> Too good, I guess. But, uh, you mentioned the cousins masters. Um, you know, when we had Luke on earlier this year, he proclaimed that he was the best golfer on the SDSU team. Do you have anything to say about that? I know he said you were one of the, the ones close to him, but do you, do you back his statement up or, or do you have something to say? I can't do that. Okay. I'll, I'll be, I'll say the right. Luke is the best golfer on the team. I wanted to say me, but I just can't in good mind say that he just, he, I have upset him a couple of times last summer. So I'm looking and I'm going to fix my slice this summer and I'm going to get on the range a lot and we're going to get out there quite a bit, but Luke just hits it further than anybody I've ever known. And that just helps. Ah, he, he's tough. He is tough. I think, I think that was tough for you to admit for sure, but yeah, so, uh, I think um, before you get to the golf season, Oh, Jacob's got one um, more question. Well, I was going to say, if you fit, figure out how to fix the slice, let me know because mine just gets worse every summer. So I need to help. <laughs> is there a, is there a worse golfer on the team? I think we asked or Luke this too. But is there a worse golfer on the team? Douglas Wilson. <laughs> Not even close. That man cannot hit the ball. He, <laughs> he will whiff it five times in a row. Douglas Wilson. Yes. I think that was, that was Luke's answer too. But um, in all seriousness, before you guys get to golf season, I think there's probably some more important uh, basketball games to be played. Charlie, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, good luck in the upcoming NCAA tournament against Providence and maybe some more games after that. Um, but yeah, we, we appreciate you coming on and it's been a great season following you guys and we're excited for, you know, the game on Thursday. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And again, that was our conversation with Charlie Easley, uh, the guard for the SCSU men's team. Obviously thanks again to him for joining us this week. It's a fun conversation, you know, learned a little bit about the, the uncles-cousins uh, matchup down there in Nebraska every year. Hopefully they get that name changed maybe to SDSU next year, opposed to the Huskers as a Husker fan. I'm all right with it a little bit. But, uh, but, yeah, it was a fun conversation. Learned again, Luke must be the best but golfer on the team. And he was very adamant that, you know, Doug was the worst. <laughs> yes, it's always kind of fun to see the inside dynamics of the team and, uh, like I said, at the top of this, uh, just the way Charlie answered some of those questions about the tournament coming up, it, it gives me as a fan a lot of confidence just with, you know, how confident uh, he makes the team seem, you know, with uh, this, this matchup. And it's going to be really fun. No, yeah. And I'm at, I was kind of surprised when he said, you know, they watch, watch them a ton already this year. They kind of, I don't know, it must, they must be Fox or something where you can get it for free or who knows, you know, what packages they have where they can watch a game. But you know, I was kind of surprised when he said they watched a ton of Providence games this year. So that's kind of cool because obviously Providence isn't going to be watching SDSU games. But now, you know, the Jack Rubber men, they, you know, they watch, watch them a lot. So that's going to be, you think, helpful going into the tournament. Like they know some of the, the players already. They're not going to be afraid of, you know, who they're facing because they've seen them on TV. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited for what it is. You know, the game, Charlie got me more excited just, you know, some ways he answered some of those questions like you were saying. So. Um, I'm excited for Thursday to get here soon enough. That 16 hour drive is going to be brutal, but you know, the light at the end of the tunnel is we're going to have some fun basketball games to watch. Yes. We'll have to come, come up with some podcast ideas to maybe, uh, make the time go by a little bit quicker on the drive, but, um, we're in for it. You know, that's the reason we did the podcast these past yep. two years is, you know, NCAA or NCAA tournament. We're going, uh, it's going to yep. be a good time. Yeah, if you have any suggestions for road trip games, uh, Q&As, things of that nature, something for us to kill the time. Uh, again, 60 hours is going to be brutal, but we're looking for about anything on uh, Wednesday 
uh, for that second leg of the trip. That's you're really going to you know, pass time on. So if you have any ideas, shoot them our way. We uh, would love to find something to do to kill some time. Um, I think I speak for both of us when we're looking at that that Wednesday drive. It's like, okay, what are we going to do? So Yeah, we got the, the rabbit rundown DMs will be open. Maybe we'll do a Twitter space live from the road. Maybe we'll call into some, you know, local Buffalo radio stations and try and get the buzz going about the Jackrabbits. Who knows? But uh, stay tuned with that. Exactly. So, yeah, um, talked a bunch about the men's action here. We're going to go a little bit into the women's. Obviously, not the same outcome we were hoping for. Uh, made a run through the, you know, Summer League champion or the tournament. Uh, ended up coming up short against USD. 56 to 45, obviously a pretty brutal game offensively for both teams, uh, kind of playing that USD style. Um, you know, SSU controlled the game at portions, just could never make a run. It seemed like they were always at an arm's length away from catching back up, kind of like NDSU men felt. Um, but USD won the tournament, made the, uh, made the, you know, the NCAA tournament because of it. Uh, SCC will be playing Ohio in the WNIT hosting at Frost believe Thursday as well. Um, yeah, Thursday at seven. So obviously if you don't make it out to Buffalo, that's a game to go to, or is it, you know, Thursday, go to that matchup. It'll be fun. Uh, but I guess Cody, what were some of your overall thoughts from the tournament? Yeah, the first two games went as expected for the Jackrabbit women. Um, and we got the matchup we were expecting, you know, SDSU and USD both dominated the, the quarterfinals and semifinals like they kind of did with the teams in the regular season and they met in the championship and, you know, the, the excitement, the atmosphere that delivered um, SDSU was up at the end of the first quarter. And, you know, I think it was a pretty close game going into half um, and SDSU just couldn't quite, they just didn't have the offensive night they needed uh, to win this game. I thought it was one of their best defensive efforts of the year, but, you know, other than Peyton hitting four threes in the first half to kind of keep a minute, they just, there was not enough firepower. They missed some easy shots. And, you know, when USD isn't um, clicking as much offensively, their defense really anchors them. And SDSU kind of needs a little more of that offensive burst to be able to, you know, overcome a team like USD. And so it was, you know, unfortunate that the shots, you know, weren't falling that game in particular. I think Paige Meyer and her injury kind of did play a bigger role in that game um, than maybe we thought going into it. Um, but it was, it was a tremendous effort, not the way, you know, you'd, you'd hope to have it end. Was hoping for an at-large seed. I think they ended up being like one of the first four out teams, maybe like third. So technically they are an alternate for the NCAA tournament. Um, I don't know when that stuff gets finalized. I would anticipate that there would not be any alternate teams at this point, but who knows? And, you know, they do get a, a WNIT matchup. And, you know, we've seen USD go and win that tournament before, had some pretty um, electric atmospheres there in the, in the dome before it closed. So SDSU should maybe, you know, try and do the same thing and close Frost with the, with the championship. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, when you're looking at like an at-large bid, when you see them so close, you just go back to the schedule and you go, okay, how could they have done it? And you just look at the beginning of the season, you know, if they beat Iowa State, who was 13 at the time, maybe you sneak in there, you know, losses to Creighton, UMass, Mississippi State, Northern Iowa, Missouri State, Kansas State. Um, those are the losses that you can't have if you want to be that large. Obviously, you're not going to win them all, but uh, just, you know, looking in the future, and obviously at the time where the team was playing versus how they were playing at the end of the year, you know, they flip the non-conference and the conference schedule around. You probably win some more of those games. Uh, you, you know, they play with more confidence. Paige kind of found her role. Maya got back to being healthy. So, you know, you hope Paige comes back next year healthy. I doubt she plays a whole lot in the WNIT, if at all. She had a pretty big brace on her knee. And even, you know, if it's an injury, I wouldn't risk her playing at all against Ohio um, or in the WNIT, you know, get her healthy for next year don't make the injury worse than it is. Cause we saw an injury about the same time last year for Maya. So, you know, maybe it took her a little bit to get going again, but you know, get Paige confident back to that knee next year, you know, get her in for surgery, whatever it is. I doubt she'll be playing in the WNIT, but um, you know, we're just hoping for next year, get her back, let go on another run. Cause you know, all you're losing really productivity wise is Tylee. So, you know, Timmer, who I think played 
maybe the best of anybody in that championship outside, you know, Peyton. Um, because Peyton had obviously a huge game, but Timmer didn't seem like the moment was too big for her. Um, and you brought up atmosphere. I believe at one point, Summit League was the fifth most attended women's basketball tournament. So just, you know, awesome atmosphere for women's basketball, you know, and you're getting that in Sioux Falls. So see a lot of, you know, men's coaches complaining about the atmosphere. You don't see it from the women's side because they really embrace playing in front of people. But, um, but yeah, it was a fun tournament. Obviously didn't end the way we wanted it to, but we kind of saw things play out the way we expected to. And I think I was the big one on the, you know, the Paige Meyer injury isn't going to be as big of a deal as people were making it out to be. Page plays in that game. We might be talking completely different about, you know, where the women will be traveling to this week and uh, that kind of stuff. So obviously that injury played a lot of a big role in it, but um, you know, hopefully she gets back next year healthy. And, you know, like you said, they close out frost or the current form of frost with a WNIT championship. Yeah. And so, you know, they'll face Ohio. I don't know too much about Ohio, but I would imagine that they were, Similar to, uh, you know, the MAC is a similar conference to the, the summit in women's basketball. So I would imagine they were, you know, one or two in their conference, didn't get the auto bid. Well, they were fifth in their conference. They were, they were not good. Um, okay. So, here. so they were like, <laughs> they weren't the best team in the, um, in the MAC. Just looking at Ohio, they finished ninth, um, oh, 15 and wow. 14. So, very winnable game. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't imagine that many of the MAC teams made the NCAA tournament, but maybe that is me not knowing that much about MAC women's basketball. I'm not, I'm not sure MAC exactly for women's basketball because, yeah, it's really surprising. I think that I I kind of double look double you know take at it because it's like there's no way we're playing a team that went 15 and 14, um, and finished ninth. But I guess that's why we're hosting. Um, so yeah, you, but yeah, you expect to win, I guess, in Frost and, you know, some maybe some more WNIT matchups or some games there. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, just going kind of back to, you know, what you said about um, Paige. Yeah, I agree. I don't think we're probably going to see her in this tournament. Um, but I think it, you know, it, it is a valuable um, learning experience in this tournament. Um it is a 64 team field instead of a 32 team field like the men. So there's one extra game if you were to make it all the way to the championship, but you can learn a lot about your team and kind of give your team a lot of confidence going into next year and kind of get some excitement going for the um, kind of off season workouts and the recruits coming in if you do go on a run. So I think it's, it's a good opportunity. Um, obviously they were upset. I'm sure that they, you know, didn't get that at large spot. I know you talked about kind of their non-conference schedule. They probably needed to win one of those games. You look at Missouri State was in the first first four or last four in for the NCAA tournament. UMass also made the NCAA tournament. So those were two teams. If they win, you know, one of those games, they might flip uh, and you'd have, you know, UMass or Missouri State hosting a WNIT game and SDSU going somewhere for the NCAA tournament. So it was that close and, you know, they challenged themselves with that non-conference schedule. Maybe it, it came back to bite them just a little bit because of some unforeseen injuries and stuff. Um, but they have a matchup against Ohio. It should be, you know, fun for fans to watch SDSU, hopefully get their first win on the men's side, like we've seen the women's team do multiple times, and then, you know, go to the women's game in person and, and get a W there. I agree. It should be uh... – Fun frost atmosphere. Uh, if I was not if, like, if we weren't going out to Buffalo, I'd probably head up to Brookings to see it because you know it is one of the last chances being a frost. So if you're not going out there, SCSU's men's game will be over. Head out there, go to the game. It should be fun. Um, but yeah, it'll be hopefully a fun WNIT run, and we see some wins uh, out of the Jack River ladies for that. But you know, that being said, um, we're going to kind of go into a little bit of reaching, you know, around the summit news. Uh, a lot of actually news broke during the tournament, like right after um, coaches firings. Uh, obviously we saw uh, Omaha get rid of their coach uh, during the tournament, which I think surprised everybody. Um, we kind of briefly touched on that a little bit during one of our live shows, but then also 
I think the surprising one was Ty Lee getting let go out of USD by all accounts wasn't basketball related. Um, I think the most telling sign I heard was the president announced the firing, not the athletic director, which kind of tells you all you need to know. Um, usually that's an athletic director's, you know, role, um, unless they got rid of an athletic director, which they didn't do. So, you know, the president coming out with the announcement saying that they got rid of the coach, I think tells you a lot about what happened there. You know, obviously a ton of rumors kind of floating around, but um, South Dakota native, USD alum, couldn't have been an easy decision the way they played. Because I think if you look at the Summit League as a whole, USD outperformed a lot of expectations. Um, I, you know, you look at USD and they were probably picked middle of the pack. You know, they didn't have any huge wins this year uh, in conference play, but they lost a ton last year to still be the five seed, win a game in the tournament. I think surprised a lot of people. And I think a lot of people thought they were outperforming what they should have been doing. So see them get rid of Todd Lee, obviously some hard conversations were had. And I think in the press conferences we sat in was a surprise to him as much as it was to, you know, everybody else. Yeah, it was surprising. You know, I think he was coach of the year two years ago, um, won 20 games this year, um, getting their 20th win in the tournament. Um, I know some of the donors and big alumni from USC, USD didn't necessarily love him and kind of just his demeanor, but it had gotten better since when he got hired, I think. And I mean, next year they were poised to have AJ back. They were poised to have everyone healthy. Um, and probably be, I would guess, picked in the top three um, over maybe Oral Roberts or NDSU um, going into next year. But, you know, a lot can change in the, in the age of the transfer portal um, and, you know, when coaches uh, are let go. So it, definitely a surprising move. I think the Omaha one was a little less surprising. Um, the coaches in the conference spoke very highly of him. Uh, Darren Hansen, he'd been there for over 500 games, um, but he just, you know, he, he wasn't quite getting it done, um, you know, for what they needed. Uh, and in that big of a market and with the recruiting possibilities they have compared to the, some of the Summit League, um, I think it was just kind of time, time to move on more so than, you know, hey, the, you know, you're not doing a good enough job. It was just things, things have been trending downwards and we need to, you know, find someone uh, that can kind of get some new energy in the program. I agree. And I'll put you kind of on the spot with this one. Cause I got in a few arguments with uh, USD fans on this topic, but you're looking at two opening jobs right now. I have a feeling there could be a third on the way just with some of the portal news we'll get into here. Um, but Omaha and USD both call you. You've interviewed with both jobs. They both offer you same amount of money. Nothing's different. What's the better job? Hmm, that's that's tough. I think Omaha is a little bit easier to recruit to. Mm -hmm. um, I do think the fan support, specifically for basketball, is probably a little better at USD. Um, Although Baxter does, you know, it's, it's been a decent environment when they've been a good team, um, but they are a hockey school first and foremost. Uh, ooh, man, that's tough. I, I guess my, my gut told me USD, but I'd say it's, it's very close. I, I lean towards I, or Omaha because if you recruit right, just looking at the Summit League as a whole, look how much Nebraska talent there is just in the Summit League as, as you know, alone, like, you look at Nebraska, you look at SDSU, David Winget, he's a Nebraska kid. You look at Charlie Easley, you look at Baylor Shireman, you look at NDSU, they have Sam Greasel, probably others there. Um, USD really hasn't Frankie that Fiddler. Fiddler at Omaha now is a you know a Nebraska kid. I think Kansas City, one of their score leading scorers is a Nebraska kid. There's so much Nebraska talent at this level. It's to me, it's like if you want to turn around a program. You'll get the fan support when you start winning. Cause I remember going to a couple of games where they, you know, their student section was filled. They stormed the court after being SDSU, I think once. Um, I just, you fill, you, you make a good team. You'll get the fans there. USD that throw more money into the program for basketball. I think, uh, you know, it's a little bit easier to schedule without the buy games, that kind of stuff. But the Nebraska talent is there. 
it's kind of a, you know, up and coming recruit recruiting hotbed right now, especially in the summit league. If Omaha becomes good, you know, SEC is going to really struggle to find talent. I mean, you look at like one of the leading scorers in all of Nebraska or all of NCAA basketball history, Mike Dom comes from Nebraska. It's like, there's so much talent in that state that and this is a big, you know, if I, this is coming from a Nebraska fan who sees the football and basketball program struggling as well and watching Nebraska teams, uh, Nebraska kids play other places. There's so much talent in Nebraska right now that if you're Omaha, you find the right kids, you get them into the program. I think you turn it over, you know, you turn that program around in a year. Whereas USD, you are recruiting to Vermillion, you know, my bias aside a little bit, Vermillion's not a fun place to be. It's not a fun town. Omaha's a better town to recruit to. Um, if, you, if you're looking at the two, I'd rather live in Omaha. I'm sorry I would. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, if I'm a coach, I'll go Omaha, but maybe it's just because I'm biased. <laughs> but No, I, got, I, th- I think I think your I argument there maybe, maybe convinced me. The, the talent in Nebraska is definitely superior to South Dakota mm-hmm. in terms of recruiting in-state talent. And, you know, facilities-wise, pretty similar. Um, I think, you know, USD, yeah, you maybe get a little more athletic department support, but um, it'll both be interesting to see, you know, see uh, who gets filled in those roles just because I don't think there's like a, a strong leading candidate for either one with like deep ties to either of those programs. So, um, but it'll also be interesting to have some, you know, fresh faces, some new connections in the summer league. Yeah, I think one name that probably is tied to both right now is Ryan Miller. He's currently in Omaha coaching Creighton, but he's also the South Dakota native, you know, so USD could be an option. I know his name is rumored. The first go round SDSU was open. I don't know if they even interviewed him though. Um, that might've been more of a local media push. I know there's a lot of mad SDSU fans who didn't hire him. So that'd kind of be a name that'd be fun to see because he knows the Omaha landscape. He knows the South Dakota landscape, um, but we won't get too much into the coaching needs. Um, what kind of, you brought up South Dakota talent. One of the best South Dakota talents right now is in the portal in Paul Bruns. Um, you know, the South Dakota kid, uh, went to North Dakota. Um, I honestly really weird position for him right now. Cause I think the tea leaves were, he was going to USD. Now USD doesn't have a coach. Does the new coach come in and want him still? Does he view him maybe like where, I, I mean, I think you and me have completely different views of him from the general public. Uh, we both kind of look at him as, you know, he goes to SDSU. He's probably the eighth or ninth guy right now. Goes to, Honestly, goes to USD with their current roster if no one left. Probably be the eighth, ninth guy there with AJ coming back. Um, so maybe the new coach doesn't see Bruns as, you know, a huge asset to the team and could tell him, like, nah, no thanks. Um, but you know, Brun started the transfer portal waves, um, and now North Dakota State has a few guys in it, um, which I think surprised a lot of people. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Greasel or uh, show up in it because he has another year with the COVID year, so maybe we see him test the you know transfer markets. Uh, USD obviously, when you get rid of a coach, you have guys enter the portal. I think Xavier Fuller is a big name there. Wouldn't be su- surprised to see Boogie, from what I've heard, potentially enter that here after a while but yeah a lot of portal news from the you know Dakota areas uh today uh from starting with Bruns at UND NDSU has had a few now USD's had a few so uh the summer league portal is wide open right now yeah yeah Jarius Cook and Malik Harden Hayes leaving out of North Dakota State I think uh you know I don't know if we're going to be right on this one but that's maybe kind of spelling that Richmond could be taking a, a bigger job somewhere. Mm-hmm. We're thinking possibly Kansas state because of the ties with the athletic director there. Um, you know, it's certainly possible. I, th- I think he's earned that opportunity yep. um, based on his connections to the Fargo area and how long he's been there. It, it maybe doesn't, it maybe comes as a bit of a surprise, um, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, and then, yeah, I think Bruns, like you said, the tea leaves were pointing towards USD. I think his brother was being recruited to USD. Um, and who knows kind of how that situation is now, especially with some USD players leaving. Um, 
so yeah, it's just a, it's an interesting time in the summit. That's for sure. And we're going to see some, some storylines play out here in the next couple of weeks as hopefully we're following along with the, the Jackrabbits with the biggest news in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And you know, recruiting such a big part of college basketball and sports in general, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a coach's announcement this week. I have no idea if that's like, I don't have any reports, but would surprise me if you don't see a USD and Omaha move quick, have coaches that already narrowed down. That's the job of the athletic director uh, to have a list basically at all times ready to go. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, I'm guessing USD knew this move was coming. So they probably have had a list ready to go like, okay, we're going to do this now. We're going to get our people going. So guessing both schools have names are calling the new Omaha ID. He probably has a list of names he's ready to call. Um, so yeah, you know, you never know when they're going to announce the new coaches and the new coaches. That's when the portal, I think really will open up. Um, it'll be interesting with the new style of basketball, how, how the coaches go about it. Do you build a program um, or do you, you know, hit that portal hard? You know, they follow Western Illinois strategy where, you know, Jeter's come in there and really just lived in the portal. Do you follow a KC method where, you know, 50% is transfers and 50% is, you know, grown talent. Uh, UND really hasn't hit the portal. They just try to recruit guys and they've been losing guys in the portal. So do you go with the, you know, build the program, build the culture, kind of like, again, Denver's doing the same thing where they're building up that way. So I'm interested to see how new coaches come in and how they attack it because there's really nobody outside of Western that attacks the portal hard. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if, you know, a new coach comes in and that's where they try to make their bread and butter is recruiting um, transfer portal guys, the Summit League. You never know. It's going to be exciting to see what they do with their programs. But um, yeah, I'm just glad right now we're, we're safe with Hendo, hopefully for years to come. Um, I know John Rostein uh, said he's one of the, his favorite coaches to watch right now. He's going to be the coach we potentially fall in love with this tournament. Hopefully everyone falls in love with him, but not in love with him enough to want to take him. So um, that's my two cents on it. But um, yeah, I'm excited for what this week's basketball is going to bring us. Yeah, I'll echo your sentiments that uh, it's nice to be a South Dakota State fan and get to watch all of this stuff happening and not have to worry about, at least for the moment, new coaches having to hit the transfer portal hard. You know, I think that's one thing SDSU just as a program forever has done really well is built their talent when they recruit them there, uh, obviously recruit good talent, but develop them into to really good basketball players and teams. And, um, you know, when you don't have to be, when you are the leader of the pack and you're not chasing, uh, you just keep doing what you're doing and, and it should continue to work out for them. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of news going on in, in the <laughs> transfer and coaches world. No, for sure. And, you know, that being said, we're going to end this week's episode before we get into too many hypotheticals. Um, so thanks again for joining us this week. Uh, remember, our DMs are open on Twitter. Follow us at Rabbit Rundown. Give us some ideas what to do on the road. If there's some cool landmarks we have to stop and see, and we're going to be stopping in Madison one night to get a few hours of sleep, driving the rest of the way. Uh, but, but yeah, uh, you know, shoot us some ideas. If people want to do spaces, maybe we'll do spaces from the road if it's not too windy or anything. And we can kind of, you know, do something like that. But um, follow us on Rabbit Rundown. Like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it. Give us five stars, all that normal stuff. And we will see you guys next week.